0: Mark 4, starting in verse 26. He also said, This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground, night and day. Whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts out the sickle to it, because the harvest has come. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. That's always encouraging, always liberating, always challenging, Father God, always showing us the right path, Father God, always showing us blind spots, always showing us your great love, your great grace, your great power, Father God. And that's what we're speaking about tonight, God, the power of your word, the power of the seed of the gospel, Father God. Teach us, Father God, to be extreme sowers of the goodness of the gospel, Father God. Let us go to sleep at night, Father God, knowing that you are at work in men's hearts, Father God, that the word never returns void, Father God. Let us not look at what we don't see, but let us keep our eyes fixed on what your word says, Father God, that your word will never return void. It is not empty of power. So God, encourage our hearts as we speak about evangelism and sharing our faith over the weeks to come, Father God show us what Jesus is clearly teaching his disciples then and now through his word. In Jesus' name. We'll be speaking about evangelism. I'm not going to use that word often. It's a technical word, though it is what the Bible teaches us because it scares people. Evangelism scares people. I'll be speaking more about evangelizing. That's just sharing our faith. And so I'm going to speak over the next several weeks on Uh, this topic from one direction or another. My desire is to remove fears and apprehensions from us by a better understanding of what we do when we're called to share our faith, what it it means to evangelize. and its clearest and simplest explanation, it's being used by God to reconcile sinners to God through the work of Christ's redemption and relying on the Holy Spirit to drive it home into someone else's heart. That's true evangelism. That's true sharing our faith. Uh, We're going to find out as we go along. Christians uh, are called to engage in sharing their faith with others. Uh, We know this intuitive. It's in our hearts. We know that we're called to share our faith. We're called to tell others about Christ. And and God gives us all unique personalities and, and, and different spheres of influence where we can use that. We're all not going to evangelize the same way. We're all not going to speak about Christ the same way. We're going to share it differently. It's as simple as once I was blind and now I see, and that Jesus loves you. It could be as simple as that, or it could be as theological as we're under the wrath of God because of original sin from Adam, and it's ruined this world, and the corruption that's in this world is because of sin. But Christ came as a second Adam and so on and so forth. And we can get as technical as we want. We can get as theological as we want. We can get as childlike faith as we want. God just wants us to share our faith. Amen? Amen. And if we, get, we can get good at this. We can get real good at how to open up conversations and sharing our faith and so on and so forth. But my question is, even though we can have a desire to do this and we know intuitively we should be doing it, And often we want to, but we just fumble with the words. Why do many Christians struggle with sharing their faith? Why? It's a challenge to all of us. We have have come to grown cold in this area. Some people once were hot and truly concerned about other people, and they were excited about faith, they were excited about Jesus, and they wanted to share that that even now they can have a sense of hopelessness. It it just doesn't work. I believe the text gives us some answers to these questions, maybe not all, but, but definitely some. The main point I will try to convey is that we are called to be good sowers of the word of God. Not so overly concerned about the harvest. That's God's job. It's God's job. Understanding is important on this point. That's what Jesus is doing in this parable. He wants us to know the intrinsic value of the seed. It puts the emphasis on God where it belongs and not on us. Our abilities uh, or even our efforts or even our failures. Let me give you an example. I have a friend of mine who came to Christ about 12 years ago. He would sneak into church and then disappear, sneak in, disappear. I was like, who is this gentleman? So I hit him off at the pass one day before the music ended, and I ran out into the back, and he tried to beat it out, and I was waiting for him. And uh, he tried to get around me, but the staircase wasn't big enough for both of us to go by. So I, I apprehended him in love, and, and I spoke to him, and I just befriended him is all I did. And the friendship began, and... Uh, He gave his life to Christ and discipled him for about six months. And he moved on in his Christian life. But he shared with me, not right away, but as the months went on, how he came to Christ. He was addicted to strip clubs. Okay, I won't go no further than that. And he ended up stalking this one woman. And the woman eventually said to him, you need Jesus. Just like that. What you're looking for, I cannot give it to you. You need Jesus. That set his whole course in action. That was the beginning of God drawing him to salvation. Eventually, he made his way shortly after that into the church I was at at the time. He ran into me in the staircase. He's probably 12 years serving the Lord faithfully with his wife. He's a student of the word of God. He tells everybody about Christ. He's unashamed of the gospel. He lives a holy, pure life. He loves the Lord. His heart is filled with gratitude and thanksgiving. Now, Praise God. what does this teach us? <clears throat> Let me, this is what Jesus is saying. What gave the seed in that man's heart, its credibility was not the woman's character. But it's the self-revelatory nature that is within the message about Jesus. It's self-revelatory. We're called just to share it, not to grow it. It's not about us. It's about Christ. Now, that poor woman, whether she was a backslidden Christian or someone struggling in her new faith, I don't know. I don't know where she is today. But it just goes to show you that it wasn't based on any human element. That this man's salvation and where he is in his life today was based only and solely on the grace of God that's found within the seed. That's the gospel message of Christ. That is where the power lies. And we have to understand that. Because what we really do, many Christians give up their witness uh, because they haven't seen the fruit. Where's the harvest? Only much unbelief and resistance. It's wearisome. Their eyes and their hope many times on what they haven't seen. Where is the fruit? As opposed to how God operates in the world in his word. It is vitally important that as Christians we understand this because otherwise if we're going by what we see we will be overwhelmed by seeing nothing we want to see people just don't throw themselves at Jesus it's hard work we can do the elbow grease we can do all that stuff but we have to know that at the the crucial moment it is God and God alone when you understand this principle, as the disciples had to learn it, it will bring a greater witness to us, a greater witness to Christ. Because the burden is not on us, it's on God. There's a sort of joy. We can actually walk in grace. We can actually eat and drink with the sinners. Because it's not up to us. We can go to the worst of the worst and share Christ with them in a loving way, an uncondemning way. Not seeing the sin, but seeing not seeing not seeing the sin, but seeing the brokenness of a sinner. How important this is. I believe this is one of the reasons, not all the reasons, that people just give up in their witness. Think about your own self right now. Where was your witness at one time for the Lord? And where is it now? What's the common denominator? If since the day you got saved, you've levered a hundred people to the Lord, would you still be talking about the Lord? You wouldn't shut up. It's because we don't see. Much is it because we don't see. Of course we can trace this back to the fear of man. Uh, We're going to talk about that, but not today's ser Not today's sermon. But it's because we don't see much of why Christians don't share the faith is because they're looking for the harvest and they're not getting into sowing the seed. Sow the seed. Jesus is not known as a man who went and sowed. It doesn't say the man went and sowed. He said the sower went to sow. We are considered, we should consider ourselves as just sowers everywhere we go. Just share the faith of one way or another. I just ran into Brother Mario and he apologized. Because I ran into him on the avenue last night, and he couldn't help but to take out his iPhone and show me the pictures of his grandchildren. But that's what grandparents do. That's what parents do, and I I like that. But that's how we should share Christ. We should be enthusiastic. I'm not bringing out a crucifix and a a 12-pound Bible to speak to somebody about Jesus. Come here, I want to show you Jesus. It's like opening up your, your, your iPhone and saying, let me show you a picture of my Savior. He's awesome. Listen to what he's done for me and go for it. It should be that natural because we should be that close to Christ. Let's go to our text. I'm going to read it and then I'm going to share some more comments before we get into verse by verse. And he said, the kingdom of God is as a man who should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises at night and day, and the sea sprouts and grows, he knows not how. The earth produces itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain of the ear. But when the grain is ripe at once, he puts the sickle, because the harvest has come. This is one of the kingdom parables, and it's unique to Mark. There are seven others found in Matthew chapter 13, where most of us might be familiar with those. Jesus, in these parables, is teaching certain dynamics about the kingdom of God and how it works, what the disciples were supposed to expect, what the kingdom of God was like. The parables have three main themes in them. It's either about the king, it's either about the kingdom, or it's about the subjects in the kingdom. Those are the three major themes within all the parables. In the kingdom parables, it's something to do with The kingdom of God. And in this case, it's how the kingdom of God actually advances without our seeing it actually advance, because it's on the human heart. And these disciples had to know how the kingdom has changed, and that's what's in the parable. In this parable, uh, the kingdom has changed in appearance and in operation from the Old Testament. Because the new covenant, the grace, is going to come. It's not going to be about works and about law anymore. It's going to be about faith and about grace. And it's not even about the nation of Israel anymore. It's about the whole world. God is coming to the whole world. The promise and the prophets that those who are in darkness will see a great light. is is just about to take place. There's a great harvest amongst the Gentiles. and, And what's in the parables, the kingdom parables, are these dynamics and these young soon-to-be apostles had to know how the kingdom of God truly operates. The heart is slow to learn because we know the apostles didn't want to leave Jerusalem. They were nice and safe and comfortable there. They didn't want to go to the Samaritans. They didn't want to go to the Gentiles. God really had to rustle the feathers and persecute a couple of Christians to get people moving. He had to give a vision to Peter on certain dynamics. In the parable of the sower, He was teaching about man's responsibility. The four soils represent man's heart. In this parable, he's he's talking about the sovereignty of God in the actual salvation, the actual saving of a soul, which is represented in the mysterious growth of the seed. How it grew, he does not know how. The seed is the word of God, specifically the gospel message of salvation by faith alone, through grace alone, in Christ alone. These verses go to show the self-generating nature of the gospel. It is totally self-sufficient. Needs no helping hand other than the sharing of its message, which we see here as the planting and the seeding and then going to sleep and watching it. It's all of God. To be sure, the whole thing of God, even the preachings of God, because how will people know if they're not sent by God? Even when we share the gospel, please don't think I'm sharing the gospel. Recognize when you're sharing your faith, you're set by God to go share your faith. You and I are sent by God to share our faith. I'm not going to wake up and say, you know something, I'm going to share my faith. I'm going to do God a favor today. You know, I'm going to do some poor, wretched, depraved sinner a solid today. I'm going to share my wonderful faith. No. No. If you open up your mouth, and I open up my mouth, it's because God put good things in there. That's it. Yeah. If I'm opening up my mouth to share Jesus, because God has already done something in my heart. All I'm doing is taking out the iPhone and showing the children. I'm just showing my Savior. That's all. It's all God. The self-sufficient nature of the gospel. It alleviates fears and anxieties. And where's the fruit? Why isn't it happening? Why isn't anything happening? Why don't I see anything? We all have those questions. We all have loved ones. We all have friends. But this parable represents more than personal salvation. It's first and foremost about the kingdom of God. From Christ's first coming to his second coming, and its continued success, even under the harshest conditions of Israel's unbelief, the gates of hell won't prevail against this seed. As John says in his gospel in chapter 1, the light came into the world and the darkness, what? Did not overcome it. Also, Jesus is both word and seed. To be sure, there is a word, there is a gospel because there was a seed of death in Christ. Listen to John twelve, twenty four. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit considering jesus is speaking of his death of himself and this takes place in the most infertile ground on earth israel's unbelief and even his own disciples cowardice and desertion at the cross but yet two thousand years later the kingdom of god is what Not just here, but it's advancing and bearing fruit everywhere. Paul says in Colossians, he says in 1 Thessalonians, the message of the gospel is bearing fruit wherever it goes. You are here. I don't know about you, but I was enjoying worship today. You know why? Because the gates of hell haven't prevailed against the Savior. It looked like a flawed philosophy. A carpenter claiming to be the son of God is now going to lead a revival of religion. They were mad, they were out of their mind. And worse than that, he died. But the power of God raised him from the dead. And as Christians, that's what advances the kingdom of God. The Apostle Paul knew this I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation. To everyone who believes, to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. Verse 26 and 27, the kingdom of God is as if man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day. And the seed sprouts and grows, he knows not how. Jesus is here is pointing to, in this two verses, the, the great limitations of the farmer. Though he does all he's responsible for, he's the sower, he's the farmer, he's done all the elbow grease, he has tilled the ground at the right season, he has sown the seed, he has weeded it, he's watching over it. But when it comes to the actual growth, his hands are tied. He can do nothing but trust in God, he can observe. He can wait, he can pray, he can expect, and he can hope. But his part is over. Upon that, he can't bring it to pass in someone's heart. The crucial part is not up to him. It's truly up to God. Jesus' audience, they knew agriculture. They knew that it was God's ultimate blessing on the crop that counted. Mainly the early and the latter rains that the Old Testament talks about. The Jew understood that when the harvest came, it only only came because of one thing. God's blessing of rain. God made it grow. God gave the increase. The Jew truly understood that they can plant and they can do everything they wanted to do and do it as best they could. But if God didn't bring the early rains in October and the late rains in April, there was no harvest. They understood that they understood the magnitude of what Christ was saying. How it grows, they don't know how. They did not know how. But they knew it was God's blessing that made it grow. We have to notice. We can preach, we can teach, We can evangelize, we can witness to friends, and we can witness to family. But at the end, it's really God that does it. Spiritual agriculture and and natural agriculture have the same principle. Don't miss this. God blesses. But it doesn't have the same predictability. In spiritual sowing, we just don't know when the harvest is going to come. We don't know that. The wind blows where? To and fro. You can hear it, Jesus says, but you don't know where it's coming, where it's going. So is everyone born in the spirit. It's not as predictable as planting in, in October and harvesting in May or June or July. It's not that simple. It, we wish it was, but it's not that simple. It depends fully and only on God. Spiritual seed, as much as natural seed, can lay dormant for many years, many seasons before it germinates in the ground and dies and starts to have roots and put down roots and to spring up. It can take many years and we're called to nurture and called to love and the call to water those seeds through the many years of spiritual dormancy. We are called to tell people about Christ and wait for a harvest. Many people don't know how to wait anymore. Their eyes are off the word of God. Their eyes are off the way God does it. And before you know it, you got people trying to make salvation happen, trying to make revivals happen, as though you can manufacture a revival, as though you can manufacture one salvation. We cannot. It's ludicrous. It's all of God. He says here the earth produces by itself. First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. The Greek word by itself means without cause, spontaneous. It's only used one other time in Scripture, and that's in Acts chapter 12. When Peter was in prison behind the prison doors, and all of a sudden the doors opened on their own accord. Peter had no idea, it was God. Just like the growth of spiritual seed. It's of God. And this is the point that Jesus is making. And he's making it clear. Both to his disciples and to us. You cannot make salvation happen. Only God can. We are really facing our own limitations. Especially with family and friends and neighbors. And and people we love so much and we want to see. I can actually say now, there's people in my life I'm praying for over 20 years, two decades, two decades. Witnessing to and praying for and believing with tears in my eyes. I don't want to go to heaven without them, but yet I still stay there. I see nothing but unbelief, hardness of heart, but yet I still care and I still love them. It's painful. But we have to keep our eyes on what we don't see, not what we do see. That's the point Christ is making. The word of the gospel is self-sufficient and all-powerful. On its own initiative, it brings spiritual life. As the example I use of my friend who came to life, came to spiritual life through basically a prostitute. Saving faith comes by hearing. Hearing what? Hearing the word of God. The word of God is so powerful, it'll produce faith where there is no faith. It produces faith and people aren't even looking for God. Paul quotes Isaiah. God reveals himself to a people who did not even ask. He shows himself strong to a people who don't even know him. Sometimes we wait until someone's really down and out and basically dying. Before we have any kind of courage to now speak to him about Christ. We have to wait for someone to be down and out in their luck. Someone really miserable in life. And now I got enough courage to say, can I speak to you about Jesus? And we sort of whisper it in shame. God uses that. I'm just, I'm being a little forceful to make a point. Everybody needs Jesus. And there's no great opportunity of waiting for someone to be really down and out. Then we can speak to them. Plant the seed in someone's life about Jesus. In any way God puts it on your heart. But make it sure that Jesus is the only way in life. In this world and in the next. Pray for that person. Watch what God does. Expect something to happen. Like a natural seed, spiritual germination can take a long time until a more favorable time, a time that God sees fit. God knows when to grow it. God knows when to put the sickle in. Only God knows. We are to wait, watering, nurturing. But when it comes to kingdom work, it's mostly waiting. I think it was MacArthur that said that, War is ninety percent waiting, waiting, waiting. And that's hard because we don't want to just wait. We want to see. We want to see. We want to see. But the scriptures hold out to us expectation. Second Timothy two, six says the hard working farmer should be the first to share in the crop. We cannot force fruit, no gimmick, no method can be employed to help it grow sooner. It has a time. It's it's God's time. As I said before, many ministers try to do anything and everything to create salvations or revivals, but in the end they all fail or worse. They produce a false hope of eternal life. Gimmicks do that. People are running around thinking they're going to heaven, and they're not. Because they got in by a gimmick. They got in by some sort of sleight of hand. Uh, Paul talks of the trickery and the cunning of man. And you can get people into a church. But that doesn't bring them to heaven. It's the gospel that challenged them. That they need Christ and they need salvation. Many are comfortable because they're going to a church. Or well, someone in their family is a Christian. But that's not the way it works. We have to sow the seed. To create venues for sharing more seed, yes, we should do that. We should be creative in how we get the true message out into people's hearts. But trying to water it down and take out the sting no. of repentance and stake out, st- take out the sting that Christ is the only hope, to try to take that away is to undermine the power of the gospel and live people with a false hope. Verse 29, but when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. This verse deals ultimately with the second coming of Christ with the holy angels and final judgment. Ultimately, that's what that verse stands for. God's word does not return void. It will accomplish what God desires. It's not an empty promise. This is a message that ultimately will bring glory to Jesus Christ. No matter what it looks like in the world today, as Paul says, it might look like foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it's the smell of life to life. But yet it holds out great promise for us today. God knows how to use our witness. God knows how to use our prayers. God knows how to use our waterings. Listen, no matter how measly and insignificant they may seem to us, like the story of my friend who was saved by a stripper, God's word will not return for it. They're powerful because of God, not because of anything intrinsic in us. Our life is filled with failures and misery, and Satan will say, you can't witness the gospel. Who are you to tell someone about Jesus your life is a mess? Has anybody, without raising your hand, ever heard that voice before? Has anybody? One of my worst days as a Christian, as a young believer struggling deeply with the flesh, miserable with my failure before God, Standing in the gym and I was basically crying without the tears and then someone came over to me and said, are you a friend of Jesus? I'm not going to tell you why I felt like any friend. But I said, yeah. And we spoke for about 45 minutes and that brother is a solid member of this church today. And, uh, and that's how God operates. God really wants us to know that it is not us. It's all of God. That is an important lesson, because our conscience many times will tell you or I, you're not worthy. And we're not worthy. On our best day, we're not worthy. And that doesn't mean we all should become strippers. (laughs) Easy now. Easy. I know Paul says, become all things to all men, but this might be pushing it a little too far over here. Holiness. Character is important to God. But please don't allow failures to stop us from sharing who Christ is. Don't don't allow that to happen. No matter how measly and insignificant they may seem to us, they're powerful because of Him. Jesus is the word. Jesus is the seed. Jesus is the sower. Jesus is the harvester. He alone can give the increase. But he chooses to use us. (laughs) We're just vessels of clay. We're earthen vessels. That's all we are, Paul says. And we hold this great treasure of the seed of the gospel in these earthen vessels. So why? Why does Paul say that? So the power is of God and not of ourself. He constantly has to show us that he uses us, but at the end, it's only using us out of love. It is not us that brings any salvation to any human being. It is really God. And this parable is really highlighting the point of how it grew. He himself does not know. That is the unique mark of the gospel. We don't know. But God shows it clear in his word. He does make it grow. And that is the emphasis of the parable. You and I can only go so far, and God says, out of the realm of the human heart. That's up to me. I deal with the human heart that's desperately wicked, desperately sick, and no man can understand that Jeremiah says. I'll deal with the heart. I'll convert the sinner. You love them. You share the word with them. You turn the other cheek for them. You walk the extra mile with them. You become a Jew to a Jew. You become a Greek to a Greek. You become all things to all men that some might get saved. But remember, child of mine, I give the increase. I bring the growth. From first to last, from beginning to end, it is truly all God. So I asked him, why are we so afraid to share our faith? What is going on? Why are we ashamed of Christ? How can we be ashamed of him who died and rose again on our behalf? What is going on? How can we grow cold? How can I once share my faith so fervently and now not even talk about Jesus? Or let alone let someone know I'm a Christian? How do we live with ourselves? Let's get back to the basics. Let's get back to the basics. It's all God. Let's humble ourselves before the Lord. How it grows, we, know it on, we don't know how. But it truly is the Lord. In spite of our failures, and there's many failures we could all count on one hand, two hands, three hands, four hands. But God brings the increase anyway. Let's close with this. Let's keep our eyes on being good sowers of the word. The intrinsic value of the message we carry is self-sufficient. Let's not worry about the harvest. It really is not at the proper time. There is a harvest. There will be a harvest. And many will sow and others will reap, Jesus teaches us. But we'll all drink the wine anew together in the kingdom of God. We'll all celebrate together. Let's be good sowers. Let's share our faith. Leave the miracle of conversion up to God. Leave it up to God. Just share your faith. And if you don't have answers for everything, just tell them, once I was blind and now I see, God I know is real. That's all we have to do. We don't have to go beyond that at all. Not one bit do we have to go beyond that. We do not have to have a detailed scientific explanation for every miracle in the Bible. I don't have to. You don't have to. Share your faith. Sit back night and day. Wait and pray. And one day we'll wake up and we'll see God ready to put the sickle because the seed is ripe. Father, we thank you, Lord, for every good and perfect gift as you always teach us, Lord. And God, just thank you for reminding us that this miracle of salvation, this miracle of growth, this miracle of change from a sinner to a saint, where someone would, instead of loving sin, would love you, God. It's, it's, it's all you on the human heart, Father God. And we thank you, God, that we know it's your responsibility, Father God, to deal with the intrinsic misunderstanding and depravity that's in the human heart, Father. Only you can change the leopard spots, Father God. Only you can do this. Only you can take an old and make a new creation out of it, Father God. Only you can take a bad person and make him good, a sinner and make him a saint. Only you can do these great miracles, God. God, free us up. Open up our mouth and put good things in it, Father God. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. God, we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.